Welcome. This talk was recorded at Insight LA in Long Beach. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit us at InsightLA.org. Welcome to Sunday Sit Long Beach. And we're going to be talking today about election stress. So you're very courageous, all of you that showed up. <laughs> so doing a little bit of research, I, I found that election stress is actually something called election stress disorder. <laughs> it's a real thing. <laughs> They name things, yeah. And so there's there's some some statistics here that I want to read read to you. An ABC News poll found that forty forty six percent of people agreed that election was a source of stress in their lives. That poll was conducted in October and included one thousand one hundred fifty five likely voters. Twenty three percent reported the election reported that this election stress was quote-unquote serious. The ABC News poll also found that women were more stressed out about the election than men. 51% of women versus 39% of men. Though it is not clear whether women feel more stressed or simply are more apt to recognize and report it. They're more mindful than men. In September... A group of researchers found that 55% of voters said that they were disgusted with the campaign. Just 15% said the campaign made them optimistic. And fewer still, 10% said they were excited. Another report stated that 51% of adults said they were afraid of the election outcome. Voters seem to be more anxious about a Trump presidency than a Clinton presidency. A Washington Post-ABC News poll found in August that 70% said a Trump win would make them anxious. 51% said the same about Clinton. So, as is our practice, to be awake to our suffering. So, this is, this is suffering. For, for How many people have had some kind of stress with the election? Just to show up. Just like, pretty, pretty much... All of us, yeah? And so, folding this into our practice now becomes our work, yeah? So being awake. And so our practice is obviously not for the good times. The good times, good samsara, good samsara, easy breezy, right? Drink beer, watch football, no problem. (laughs) But our practice is sustainable happiness. How could we be happy in the difficult times? And the first thing that we need to do to kind of get to the work to the workbench is to say, yes, this is this is a cause for suffering. Like this is suffering. Right? So just acknowledge and be be awake to that. And so specifically, moving deeper in, like what are we what are we really looking at? I wrote down a few things that I felt throughout this election. Maybe some of these might resonate with you. Hopelessness, anger, confusion, 
fear, that feeling of being defeated, bewildered, and frustrated. So some of these things that just, there was frustration arising. Total confusion, like bewilderment, like how in the world could this be happening? Noticing this arising. And so looking at it, also looking at what is beneath that. Like what is the, what is the fear? What is the anxiousness coming from? Like moving into, into the source of that. Really important. And so here I want to just chat about <clears throat> how the Buddha, really, the, the teachings of the Buddha can be um, can be said in a really succinct, succinct way. If we take all the types of Buddhism, there's Theravada, Mahayana, Vajrayana, they all come down to the, they all agree upon the, the same way to relieve our suffering. Buddha taught 84,000 teachings and they were all support of just this one thing. All the teachings are really so we could actually do this one thing to relieve suffering. What, what's the one thing? Breathing. Meditation is support, breathing support, compassion is a support for this one thing. Like Think of the Four Noble Truths, right? How do we relieve suffering? Stop clinging. Non-clinging. Non-clinging. This is the release of all suffering. That's it. Everything, all the teachings can be brought down to that. That's it. Non-clinging. Non-clinging does not mean non-doing. It means non-suffering. And so I think this is the difficult part when we have, we have this compassion in our heart and we want to do, we want to see happiness and we want to see the best for all beings. So how can we be passionately non-attached, non-clinging, right? It's compassionate non-clinging. This is very, very difficult. So when we move into this, we have to just look into what, what are we here? Like, who are we here? What are we bringing into this space? What are we breathing into this space? What is our contribution? And does that change just because of what is happening out there? In other words, our inner work to be a, a betterment to ourselves and others does that really change because of our day-to-day -day external experiences? Or does that really change due to maybe this nationwide you know, issue, which is really a global issue? Does that really change? So I think we have some amazing, we have an amazing example of this going on right now with the water protectors at the Dakota Pipeline. And just that word, the water protectors, as opposed to protesters, right? So they're holding the space that we are protecting. 
and what are what are they protecting? There was this you know great video, maybe many of you saw it, where there was this you know medicine man, and he was talking about how they are protecting the water, and there was a policeman standing in front of him, and he says, "We're protecting your water for for you, for your children. We're not protecting our water; we're protecting our water." Yeah. And to think internally is what is going on. It's not like that individual might not be feeling frustration, anger, anxiety about fear of safety, all those things. It's about his commitment to peace that's really holding him in a stable, compassionate way, right? And so that is an example of the inner work, regardless of what's happening, right? It's like the story I've told many times of uh, a, a llama that was, a Tibetan llama that was captured by the Chinese, and he was interviewed by the Dalai Lama. The Dalai Lama asked him, you know, how dangerous was it? And he said, on two occasions, it got very, very dangerous because on two occasions, I almost lost compassion for my captors. Right? <laughs> And to be spiritual beings, having a human experience, I think it's so incredibly important to hold that view that we are spiritual beings having a human experience so that we could be that anchor of peace, that we could see beyond the duality of just this life and just as good and bad and just as democratic. Democrat, Republican, just this narrow view. If we can't hold it, really, like, who's going to hold that? When we look at the heroes, like the Nazi, the, the Nazi concentration camps and whatnot, we see these beings like Gandhi and Martin Luther King who are able to hold this unbelievable sense of compassion when the world as it looks, it's almost irrational. But they're holding it anyway. I'm going, to, I'm going to read a, a couple quotes from Viktor Frankl in his book, Man's Search for Meaning. Of course, most of you know Viktor Frankl. He's a Nazi concentration camp survivor. And I think two of these quotes, you know, both of these really hit home for me when I was looking in, into this. One is when we are no longer able to change a situation, we are challenged to change ourselves. And when I read that, I think this is why our practice is so important on a day-to-day -day level to practice with that person in the office or with that small situation so we could hold that non-grasping, compassionate mind when things get really heavy. When we think of like just the concept of like World War III. Just, I mean, that has been actually just dropped into the space of our awareness mm -hmm. right in this election. Right. How are we supposed to hold that with compassionate, non-judgmental awareness right, and non-fear? If we can't hold the thought of, like, when we're meditating, oh, I, I better write that down right now and get up from my meditation because that's really important that I better remember to call John when I get up. Non-clinging. Non-clinging, non-grasping, when a thought arises, allowing it to go by. 
That's where the rubber meets the road, when an emotion arises, allowing it to, to move past. Why do we want it to move past? So we could open up space for a proper response, right? Between stimulus and response, there lies a place, a space. Within that space is our ability to choose a proper response. And so he has another quote, Viktor Frankl. And so opening up into that space, and in that true spaciousness, there's a lack of this non-self-identification. We're truly non-grasping, right? Because we're truly non-grasping even to this permanent, separate self. Right? This is really beautiful about what we could drop into that space. Love is the only way to grasp another human being in the innermost core of his personality. No one can become fully aware of the very essence of another human being unless he loves him. By his love, he is enabled to see the essential traits and features in the beloved person. And even more, he sees that which is potential yeah, he sees that which is potential in him, which is not yet actualized, but yet ought to be actualized. Furthermore, by his love, the loving person enables the beloved person to actualize these potentialities. By making him aware of what he can be and of what he should become, he makes the potentialities come true. Absolutely beautiful. So if we continue to create this self and other and this good and bad and we lose sight of this, this love for each other regardless of what media hype we believe in, then we lose the opportunity to do that. And I think there's very few of us on this planet that have the opportunity to hold that. I believe we all have the potentiality to hold that, but I think there's very few of us that actually have the potential to, to actualize that actualization. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah? Mm -hmm. There's a great clip that I saw recently where they brought in Trump supporters in one room, and then in the other room they had... Um, illegal immigrants or undocumented immigrants and little did each group know but they could hear each other talk so when they were interviewing the, the, the Donald Trump supporters the undocumented immigrants could hear them and then they, they turned it around and they were talking to the non-documented immigrants and the Donald Trump supporters could hear them, but they couldn't see each other. Right? And then they brought the two groups together in one room, and they had a discussion. And they ended up just seeing each other as these human beings, and they could really relate, and it broke down a lot of these ideas of you know, what they conceived in their minds, and you really saw this, this, abs this connection happen. I, I feel like this is exactly what's missing. Is that, and this has been a long 
time, time coming, you know, I was at inside LA and we're having a teacher meeting and I was, I was saying that, you know, my Republican friends, and this one woman looked at me and she's like, I don't have any Republicans. <laughs> like, I don't know anybody that's a Republican. And I was thinking, that's a problem. That's a problem. We're, we're Americans and we're humans. Like, we, we can't just divide and, and, like, what are we moving towards if there, we're so segregated in our belief systems? What are we moving towards if we don't have any, if we're not connecting? You know? It's like, I, I try not to unfriend my Facebook friends that have a different opinion. I try to conversate with them personally because, you know, I come from a kind of a different. I have like two different worlds. So many of you know I was raised as a, as a pipe fitting motorcycle racer, and that's a, that's kind of a different world than like a, and I spent a long time living at meditation centers, and those are two different demographics, you know, <laughs> if you will. <clears throat> and I tell you, my hard-working construction, you know, work hard, play harder friends in that world are awesome human beings, incredible human beings. And they share different political beliefs than, than me. And that's okay, I love them just the same. But we absolutely need to find some middle ground and I think that the meta practice is so incredible here. Like when we practice loving kindness and we start to go through the categories and in, in the Tibetan tradition, before we start the, the meta practice, we do something called equalizing, equalizing self and others. And what, this, what we do is, in that practice, is that we just think for a moment that friends can become enemies and that enemies and become friends and that strangers can become family right? can become loved ones and we see I always think that you know for us to come together all we need is one alien attack <laughs> and then we're all then we're all human right just one alien attack and we'd be like oh we're, oh you're human oh i love you you know you're like one of us and that would just solve all the differences you know and there would be us against them you know and then they would be the bad guy so equalizing this self and others breaking down these barriers and then moving through the categories of like a loved one so seeing a loved one which is a loved one now and we've all seen loved ones. We've all seen loved ones move move on to sometimes enemies. Unfortunately, right? We see that change. I mean, look at when people separate in relationships. Mm -hmm. We could see that see that happening, right? But moving <laughs> to the categories of loved one, you know, self, neutral person, sending may you be happy, may you be free from suffering, and then practicing. If we practice the thing day by day, practice taking that difficult person, that precious jewel in our life, and practicing sending loving kindness to them, connecting with them, and then all beings. 
so powerful every day. So I talked a little bit about this last time. I talked about some of the science of compassion. And so in this, so we're left like, okay, what do we do? Well, last time, this meta practice is what I want to do together, all of us now. It settles our minds. You know, oxytocin gets released. DHEA gets released. Cortisol levels go down, right? We feel a sense of, of patience. We feel a sense of okayness, even in adversity. Like our brains are set up to handle this. Like these are the times that we must be resilient, right? And it's training. You know, it's been working for 2,600 years that in times of adversity, this helps us. We think of like Tibetan culture of the Dalai Lama watching 6,000 monasteries get destroyed, watching actual lineages perish, watching friends be tortured and murdered in his name, right? Just by knowing him or practicing what he is taught, right? And still, look at the resiliency. Would you say the Dalai Lama is a happy person or depressed? (laughs) This is... That compassion is an extremely is a practice of extreme resiliency. Become extremely resilient. You know, remember Rimbal Rabina when I lived at Atlanta Medicine Buddha. She would yell at this because she would say, you know, when people meditate, they get a little bit more sensitive because we've been turning a lot of stuff off, so we become more more like an empath, right? So we could feel things. And people say, well, I'm feeling these things. But then she starts yelling, like, if you're here to be more resilient, not less resilient. Like, this practice is not to make you less resilient and less happy. It's supposed to make you more happy. Yeah? So diving deeper into that, into the compassion realm, and actually seeing the emptiness of our own you know, strong emotions, that they, too, are love arising. So to know what do we fall back on, I would say what do we fall back on here is compassion. This is what we fall back on. Because we've noticed that we're suffering. And compassion, the definition of compassion, not wanting ourselves or others to suffer. But when I said it is, how many of us feel stressed? We all raised our hands. And so out of the frustration, the anger, the hopelessness, beneath that, is not wanting to suffer. All of that, the core of that, is compassion, right? Aversion is compassion. Like when we have an aversion to something, it's not wanting to suffer. So our actually aversion to our suffering is compassion. So, yet we need to reframe that to get to the essence. You know, just like children, if we have a child and a child's about to harm themselves, you might get extremely anger, angry. At the bottom of that's compassion. Right? Anger is a surface emotion. But moving into that compassion is really, really helpful for our own brains and our own spirits to really settle in. And it's that compassion, when we keep connecting with that in times of Actual conflict, we could still hold compassion, just like those water protectors that are doing so beautifully. What an amazing example for all of us to witness that. Day after day, praying, just the prayers, and stating over and over again 
this internal peacefulness and this external non-reactivity just absolutely beautiful, right? And we want to hold that. It seems to me that they are suffering yet holding a sense of peacefulness together. And in these studies that they've shown with compassion, that's exactly what they say. Is that when we meet somebody with compassion, obviously we're suffering, yet there's this inner balance within too, this inner stability. So I thought we would do a meta practice together. And we're going to move into we're going to move through the categories, um, but move along until we get to the difficult person. And like all meta practices, I'll be repeating some phrases. For those of you that have never done it, I'm going to just repeat some phrases, and you just mentally repeat them in your head while letting the loving kindness radiate as much as possible. And it's really just our intention of loving kindness. We don't need to feel warm and fuzzies to these, to ourselves, to others. We're just asking ourselves if we can get in alignment with the intention. And so when we move to the difficult person, we could, we could see if we could send loving kindness to political party that might be opposite than ourselves, different belief systems. And if that's too much, that's fine. Maybe take another person, another difficult person, maybe that's not so difficult. Which our own pace, just maybe take in a few breaths that are a little bit deeper than usual. A nice, long, slow exhalation. And just letting the words and the concepts and the analytical mind and I drift away and bringing the awareness into the heart away from more the thinking mind and more into the heart And allowing to come to mind a time when you felt genuine kindness. Either on the receiving end, maybe you gave kindness, could be a very small gesture, letting somebody in in traffic. Holding the door open for somebody.
And just noticing where you feel that. You feel that in your heart, what's that mean to you? Experientially, getting a felt sense. And then next, allowing to come to mind a, a friend, a loved one, someone you find easy to send loving kindness towards. You'll see them in your mind's eye, seated out before you. And I'm going to say some phrases. When you mentally repeat those phrases, while sending them as much loving kindness from your heart center as you can. May you be happy, truly, truly happy. May you feel safe and protected from inner and outer harm, the inner harm of negative self-talk and outer physical harm. May you be healthy and if that is not possible, may you meet your challenges with grace. May you feel the sense of ease and well-being in your life. May you be happy, truly, truly happy. Allowing the image of this dear one, allowing that image to fade. And next, allowing an image of yourself to arise. And some people find it beneficial to think of themselves at a younger time, maybe 10 years old. If this works for you, good. If not, your present day age is perfectly okay. 
And so thinking, just like I want my dear friend, my loved one, to be happy, just like this, they want me to be happy too. So with the same zeal that you gave loving kindness to a loved one, sending this loving kindness towards yourself. May I be happy, truly happy. May I always feel safe and protected. May I love myself just the way that I am. May I be healthy, <coughs> and if that is not possible, may I meet my challenges with grace. Feel a great sense of joy, peace, and well-being in my life. Just switching just for a moment here, hearing that siren, just sending loving kindness to wherever that siren is heading. May they be relieved of their suffering. back may I be happy, truly, truly happy. And releasing the image of self, maybe taking a breath or two into the heart center. Cultivating the muscle of compassion, loving kindness. And next, imagining in your mind's eye a neutral person. This is a person that is in your world, whether at the grocery store, 
at the coffee shop in the neighborhood. When you see at work, but you never really met. Of allowing a neutral person to arise in your mind's eye, seated out before you. And you think they're just like me. They have hopes, dreams, worries, and concerns. They have challenges. They've had their troubles, just like me. They're trying to be happy more and suffer less, just like me. And sending them the phrases, may you be happy, truly happy. May you feel safe and protected. May you be healthy. And if that is not possible, may you meet your challenges with grace. deep sense of peace and well-being in your life. May you be happy, truly, truly happy. And allowing the image of this neutral person to fade. And next, allowing to arise a difficult person or a difficult group of people. And just putting out the invitation that for this meta practice, we, we choose the group of people that may have a different political stance than ourselves. Or it might be a candidate that we might have differences with. And if it's okay to do so, 
Allow them to arise in your awareness. And remembering that quote from Viktor Frankl about love is the only way to grasp another human being in the innermost core of his personality. By loving this person enables the beloved person to actualize these potentialities by making him aware of what he can be, of what he should be, he makes these potentialities come true. This person might be an enemy to you and I. They may be a son, they are a son a daughter to somebody. Maybe a husband, a wife, a mother, a father, a brother, a sister, to someone else. Maybe a deep lurking good. Actually, we know there is a deep lurking good masked by insecurities. They're all looking just like us for love, approval, and appreciation. Just seeing how this feels within yourself. Just in this person or group of people loving kindness. May you be happy, truly, truly happy. always feel safe and protected. May you be healthy and if this is not possible, may you meet your challenges with grace. Love yourself just the way that you are. May you have peace and well-being in your life. May you be happy, truly, truly happy. And so allowing 
this image of the difficult person or group of people to subside and opening up the loving kindness to all beings. So all beings, friends, enemies, neutral people, all looking for love, approval, and appreciation. First, to each other, sending this emanation of loving kindness to each other here in the room. May we be happy and free from suffering. And sending this out to our community. A beautiful city if you live here in Long Beach. So diverse and amazing. Extending that out to Southern California. Into the ocean. Opening up to loving kindness to include all animals on the ground, in the water, in the air. And just spreading out across the nation. into the hearts of the water protectors. Sending loving kindness to the police as well. Expanding this loving kindness throughout our entire nation. Just feel as though this emanation of loving kindness spreads over our whole planet, especially into the hearts of the political leaders, those decision makers, those governing bodies. Just visualize their stress lifting. And coming into attunement with loving kindness. And compassion. Making decisions from this place. <clears throat> creating laws from this place. Of love and compassion for all beings. May all beings be happy. May all beings be free from suffering. May all beings be happy. May all beings be free from suffering. May all beings be happy. May all beings be free from suffering. 
ஓம் வணக்கம் ஓம் opportunity for small groups because of time today but we'll just open it up to the large group any thoughts or feelings on the meditation or on the subject I was um, this morning I woke up really early and so I was reading um, Loving Kindness by Salford and um, what would happen to be the chapter that I'm in is on compassion and mm-hmm. And um, she said something that really resonated with me, or she wrote something um, that made a lot of sense, and that was to, when practicing compassion, remember that if we only knew the whole story of a person, like not just what we see, but their whole story, that we all suffer and we all have a story and it makes us human and it makes us one as opposed to being separate from each other that we all suffer including politicians (laughs) Um, and so that really resonated with me this morning I was like that's perfect Thank you. I was thinking when you were talking about the difference between empathy and compassion, which always confuses, has always confused me. Uh, I always, I always thought that empathy was more an authentic, um, more. moral sort of reaction to things, which is, I guess I was listening to a talk, I think by Brene Brown, mm-hmm. who likened it to, to a person sort of looking down at somebody in a hole and appearing compassionate, like, well, I feel sorry for you, and, but whereas the, the empathetic person kind of climbs down into, you know, the well or something with you, and I'm here with you, but there's something about, I mean, we are working to alleviate our suffering and, and the suffering of others, and something about holding somebody's suffering uh, or experiencing the suffering with them uh, is a way sort of perpetuating <coughs> suffering in a way. You know, like I'm trying to, I'm trying to figure it out. Mm-hmm. I really am because it seems like compassion might be the correct, <clears throat> more correct response to meeting somebody else's suffering. Does that make sense? I mean, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm work with like semantics or like the wording is um, yeah, some say like the. The empath is more of like the feeling of feel the feeling tone of feeling somebody else's suffering, which actually kind of can lead to compassion. To but compassion is not supposed to there has to be 
compassion of wanting to help others, but then the, also you have to know how to help others. And then you have to actually help others, right? There's a story of the wildebeest or this, this animal stuck in the mud. And then it, uh, the sangha is standing around pointing like, look at, there's an animal stuck in the mud. And then the master walks up and says, jump in there and get the damn animal out of the mud. Like, what are you doing? Like, we have to actually grab onto it. Uh, that the important piece is that that we can meet and be with but not follow so in other words meeting our own suffering means that we meet with with our suffering and say I can be I could be with you but I don't need to follow you right so being in this this is the resilient part right so this compassionate non-attachment right so we could be with our suffering no attachment, no aversion, but we're not going to follow you down into more of that suffering. So we could be with the suffering of others in the same way, but we're not following down because that's what you're saying, that it can create more suffering. Well, it's just like suffering on suffering. There's a huge difference, and this is really f fine, but it's very experiential, right, that we could sit with both. And even our brains are built to sit with both. Our brains can release oxytocin for example that has bravery and courage and it's also the cuddle drug right it wants us want to cuddle and love and connect and it's also the bravery and courage to to be with suffering it's also the okayness that everything's okay even though things are not so well so yeah we want to connect and be with but we don't want to follow yeah. I um, really, like, throughout the week, compassion was ringing in my head from last yeah. week. And yeah. It was so incredibly helpful to me um, on multiple occasions. And I even just think of that word like a mantra, and uh, my chest would feel different immediately, mm -hmm. you know. But uh, this morning as I was driving over here, I didn't know, the, I didn't know what the subject was today. Mm-hmm. And I'm coming past the Long Beach Airport, and a plane is flying overhead with a banner, Saints Arise, God Loves Trump. <laughs> and it was like anger, you know, feeling like, uh, just like, are you serious? Like, on my way to meditation, I have to see this. You know, and I was breathing and trying to think. And then I came here, and when you started talking, I was like, oh, thank goodness. Saints arise. God loves Trump. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, completely different. <laughs> when we are no longer able to change the situation, we are challenged to change ourselves. <laughs> Thank you. That's, awesome. That's a great, great one. I think there's an opportunity, you know, when, when, <clears throat> when somebody really bothers us. Uh, sometimes I ask people who their, fa who their least favorite actor or actress is. Um, and whatever it is that somebody, somebody always has somebody they gravitate towards, and whatever it is, Often, 
the, often what they dislike about that actor actress is a quality that you know they dislike about themselves you know mm -hmm. and I think there's an opportunity for a turnaround sometimes with the, the I mean we all care a lot and we all want you know what's best for country and so forth but sometimes there's what's really needling a, us about is something that's that's really reflects back upon ourselves so I think there's an opportunity there great point thank you So, oh yeah, sorry. I did not want to come today because I knew what you were talking about. <laughs> she told me yesterday. I'm probably not going to come today. I'll come tomorrow. <laughs> and I know when I, you started talking and we were reading the poll, which I have eliminated from my uh, purview within the last few days, which is what happened. I thought, so I literally plug my ears, and I am like in that stuff that you taught me to look at. Mm -hmm. So um, it isn't the stuff that's making me do that. It's me not understanding that I have the stuff and I don't need it, or I can move it. Good talk. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> chanting and praying and they had the drums going and everything. I guess one of them was videotaping it and as they were drumming and chanting, Buffalo, I don't know if anyone saw this, the Buffalo started just coming from all around, of, like, <laughs> like from different angles mm -hmm. and like herds of them mm -hmm. just coming and like helping them and like, oh the Buffalo are helping us. It's everywhere the camera turned you would see them coming up the hill, coming mm -hmm. down the hill and in this corner and that corner, and it was just—it was just an amazing, uh, you know, video to see the yeah. connection and with the humans and the animals. Mm -hmm. just, uh, That's wonderful. Thank you. You have just listened to a recording from Inside LA in Long Beach. For more information, please visit us at InsightLA.org.